Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Oh, lordy, lordy, lord, have I got a cracker for you today. Actor Mark Bonner and me go in on tunes. Oh, it was lovely. We spoke for just as long after the interview as well. That's a good sign. Um, Just a, a, a wonderful, warm, engaging, lovely gent as you're about to find out. Before we get on with that tr- uh, chat, uh, just a few thank yous. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and everyone at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. Thank you to you lovely lot um, for supporting and getting behind it and sending nice messages. And, you know, I see you kind of doing the likes, loves and the retweets and, you know, all of that stuff. So thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Um if this is your first time um, listening to this podcast, then when do you get to the end of my chat with Mark? Um, go and explore the back catalogue. Um, if you like uh, my conversations with wonderful actors, then uh, go hear me talk to uh, Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, Michael Smiley, Thomas Turgus. Oh, gosh, the list goes on on Amanda Abington. Um, there's loads. So go and, go and explore that. And, and we, we talk about lots of kind of great rock music from the early 90s, a lot of which was produced by uh, a former guest as well, Butch Vig. Uh, that's a lovely chat. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's, you know, other rock and roll legends in the back catalogue that I've been lucky enough to, to get some time with over Zoom uh, during lockdown. And those include um, the Foo Fighters, uh, Tommy Lee of Motley Crue. Um, oh, there's, there's bloody stack. So go and have a, have a good rummage around because there's, there's 300 and about 350 episodes now that you can go and listen to all for free. Um, yeah. So all I ask in return, if you've got a split second is give us a, Give us a subscribe or drop us a comment um, or give us a, a like, love or a share or a retweet on the socials uh, or just tell your mate, go old school. Just give him a nudge and go, there's this podcast called Off The Beaten Track. It's this bloke from Essex that's got a lisp and he just kind of natters away about records with uh, some, some lovely people. So uh, yeah, do that. And if you want to do the Patreon thing, then there's radio shows and video episodes and loads of bespoke episodes over there and that's that's about 79p a month um, and you can find out about all of this stuff at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com right there we go let's get on with today's episode please enjoy 
this absolute lush conversation with the gentleman that is Mark Bonner. Sorry, I've interrupted the podcast, but with good reason. Hotel Chocolat are our sponsors. You know that now because I tell you about it every episode. But they've been super kind now. And you may have heard me talking about the products from the cacao bar and there's gins, cream liqueurs, all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies. Um, And what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to. And all you've got to do is just for you off the beaten track listeners, go over there, answer a question, and you could win the full range delivered to your front door. I mean, that's kind of them. All you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. That's OTBT as in off the beaten track podcast, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. Go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks, courtesy of our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat. I'll get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stu Whipping. Okay, recording. Mark, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm all right. I stopped you from chatting a moment ago because uh, you was you, you was kind of documenting your meltdown over over choosing these <laughs> records. So so before we even get on with any of this, just tell me about that process and did it really fry your brain? Oh. Fucking hell. Um, yeah. Uh, so you you got in touch, I don't know, when, just June or something, was it maybe? A couple um, months ago, yeah. Oh, yeah, a couple months ago. And um, yeah, so ever since then, because um, uh, it's your questions, that, I mean, and I, I hadn't heard of your podcast um, until you got in touch. And as soon as you got in touch, I went away and listened to Chuck D straight off because I'm a massive Public Enemy fan. And um, and that was me. So I've listened to about, uh, I don't know, maybe 30-ish of them so far. Oh, okay. People I know, mostly. Um, uh, so, you know, Tony Pitts, I, I texted you after listening to Tony. And, um, and I, but I, love, I love hearing other people's choices. And, uh, and I've got so much out of it as well. You know, I, I've, I've found new um, bands. I've found new songs from, that I'd never heard from bands that I know. So it's been great. It's like a, it's like a desert island discs, but a, a bit better, you know. Oh, I'll take um, that, mate. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I mean, it was it was it was it was horrendous trying to juggle uh, or or because it changes on a daily basis what you kind of especially the uh, well the intro one, also the sort of you know your school years one, and also your clubbing one. I mean, not that I'm a, I was ever a clubber, but. Um, I certainly there was a, a club we went out to regularly, um, but I, songs kept coming back to me about that, you know. But I just thought, well, I'll choose the ones that are the most, the ones that I remember, you know, um, the most, or that sort of stand out the most from any particular given moment, rather than trying to condense it, you know. So I chose secondary school rather than primary school because there was okay. a few songs at primary school, you know. That I could have chosen, but um, but no, it was hugely enjoyable, albeit intensely frustrating. <laughs> good, to, good. To That's what it. I want. <laughs> well, let's let, let's get the ball rolling because there's quite a few honourable mentions for this one, and and this is generally always the one that people struggle the most with. Uh, and so, Mark, the I song know. with the greatest ever intro, please. 
Uh, well, this is the one that changed the most uh, up and changed again last night and then changed back. But <laughs> since, the very, since the very beginning, this is one of the first ones I thought of. And um, it's, uh, it's a song called West End Blues by uh, Louis Armstrong, um, which has only been sort of in my um, field of musical vision for about 12 years, I think. I did a, a one-man show in the West End um, uh, in 2008 um, called Novacento, and it was about a jazz trumpeter who was telling the story of his friend who was the pianist in the band that they played on in this uh, ocean liner. They were on a, an ocean liner that went back, that went back and forth to Europe, uh, between uh, Europe and New York. And uh, his friend had been born on the ship and left on the ship. And he'd been sort of adopted by the crew. And he grew up and they named him Danny Budman T.D. Lemon Novacento. That was his name, hence the title of the play. Um, but in preparation for watching, uh, for, for playing that part, I watched this brilliant series um, called Jazz by uh, Ken Burns, made by Ken Burns. Um, which was on PBS. Um, it was made in about 2001. And it, it just took you through the whole history. And I hadn't, I was t totally ignorant of, of jazz, really. Um, but it took you from 1917 right up until present day. And, um, and about the evolution, about how it started, and about who were the sort of, you know, who were the sort of forerunners of the sound, that particular sound, and how it all came together, you know, from different musical influences. And um, this song, West End Blues, um, was uh, often, quite often songs where uh, they played snippets of songs in the documentary, but this one they played in its entirety. It's only like three minutes, 18 or something, uh, because the... Uh, what's his name? Wynton Marsalis, who's a, a jazz trumpeter, he talked about this song in such a beautiful way. He said that he he played it to his tutor one day. He'd found it somewhere, I don't know, an old pressing of it or something, and he played it to his his trumpet tutor. And he said he just he said he sat there in silence. Um and as soon as it finished he kind of looked up at him with tears in his eyes and said, put it on again. And uh, I just thought that was such a kind of wonderful way of describing what it did to that guy, you know, yeah. who had been a jazz tutor all his life. And the, the, the intro itself has about five different time signatures in it, you know, because Louis Armstrong was an absolute fucking genius, you know. What he did with that, with that instrument and with his, his vocal instrument mm. as well, and both sometimes at the same time. And I think what's wonderful about the whole song is that it kind of encompasses ev almost every human experience I feel when I listen to it. And I listen to it on a regular basis, that song. Um, it just encompasses everything that is about being a human being. You know, it's wonderful. And so did that kind of open the doors, you know, that, that, that gig as, as well as that track? To, to jazz because I don't know about you but jazz is something that I've kind of started to explore as I've got older it wasn't yeah. some it wasn't on my radar when when I was 21 
Uh, it just enough. felt like something that I, I just kind of, I don't know if you, you know, you have to be of a certain age to start to kind of appreciate <laughs> jazz. I don't know. Well, uh, it, I think it's the, it's jazz and country are the two things that approach 100%. you. hundred <laughs> percent. As you get, as you get uh, into your later years, you suddenly start listening to Emmy Lou Harris and going, do you know what? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, with, with that in mind, Let's let's talk about the honourable mentions because to go from something right. that that kind of you know starts to chime into your life in you know as you start to hit your forties etc. I mean, faith no more's from out of nowhere. I mean, that's taking the roof off when you're eighteen, right? Yeah. Uh, and, oh, absolutely. And uh, I, I went to see them uh, in oh Christ. Uh, n- um, 92 maybe or 91 um, at the Battlelands in Glasgow They're, they've been one of my favourite bands for uh, since time immemorial I think I can't remember when I got into them Heavy Metal was my first love ACDC yeah. was my first gig right um, And but Faith No More came along probably around about the time the real thing was released which was I think 89 mm, it was 89 I mean when you still listen to that album now and you go what? there's not a there's not a song on it that sounds yeah. okay, you know? It's an incredible piece of work. I mean, And he's an incredible artist, Mike oh, Patton, I think. Man, like, j- let's not overlook his vocals. They're oh, incredible, know. mate. Yeah. Like, and the, the band, I mean, I've, I forged a good friendship uh, with, with, with um, a guy called Jason Perry, who, who was a singer in a band called A, uh, who, who come on this podcast. And afterwards, we, we were sitting here, this was pre-pandemic, this is my little kind of garden bar like type studio. So we were sitting having a, having a, a little beer. And, uh, and we started talking about From Out of Nowhere. And he went, oh, do you like Faith No More? I went, I think there's a double snare in that, in that intro where it just goes, bop, bop, da na 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 And he went, that's the greatest snare ever. And we literally <laughs> just sat there drinking this beer, infusing about this fucking snare drum on From Out of Nowhere. And, and yeah, it's, it's incredible, that track. And the energy that that record's got, yeah. like, still holds up. I, I still DJ in my, my, my alternative club. And you still drop that now, and you get a reaction from 18-year-old kids that have probably no idea who yeah. Faith No More are. But, yeah, as a, as a band... You know, even moving forwards, like the what Angel Dust done for music was just pioneering. Like, I'd never heard anything like that before. And, you know, that paved the way for so many bands, I thought. And again, his vocals on that, you know, his the the fact that, and I think that's where he, because he was very young when they did uh, the real thing, wasn't he? Mm. And I I think by the time Angel Dust came around, he'd really kind of uh, found his. <laughs> Whatever it is, he is, you know. But he, you know, on on songs like um, uh, "Not Caffeine," what's the one where he goes, "Yeah, I swear a lot." What's that called again? Um, Kinder. Uh, where he adopts that character, you know, yeah. that uh, so, you know, all that stuff is really fucking fascinating yeah. and, and and brilliant and weird and and uh, 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 quite arresting you know you it takes you by surprise uh, yeah. so the guy yeah, I, I absolutely love faith no more they they yeah. uh, and still surprising now and all the stuff the other stuff he i mean mr bungle i've never quite uh, i've tried and i've tried same here mate same here mate <laughs> uh, there's something just a bit too sort of proggy i'm not yeah. a proggy at all same 
and there's uh, something just a bit too kind of like, you know. It's awkward, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I'd, it, it, it would take a lot more time than I've got. To, yeah, you know, it, it, it was it was it was them. It was Mister Bungle. All of my mates were all into like all of the stuff that was going on then. Jane's addiction, faith and more, all of that stuff, yeah. and we loved all yeah. that scene. And then there'd be the ones that took it the extra extra length and was like uber nerds for it. And they were the ones that were always talking about Mister Bungle and Primus. And they were the uh, two bands that I couldn't get my head round. I, I was, saw Primus, and I saw Primus support Jane's addiction. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah, and they uh, again at Barrowlands, and uh, yeah, I, I've never I, I bought um, Seas of Cheese. Yeah, <laughs> it's stupid even saying that. But they're they I mean, they're another kind of, you know, if you venture too far down that road, you go to um, you go to what's that band's name? Fishbone. Uh, no, I was going to say ha, 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 it's not House of Pain. It's not that. Um, Oh God! Do you know that band that did the auditions for the drummer? Uh, they they auditioned about five drummers. What what the fuck are they called? They're like proper like heavy prog. It's weird. That oh, what are they called? This is what every conversation like with me like this now. <laughs> so am I, mate. Since I was about forty five. It, it's what like, happens. It's what the guy that plays with that thingy band. They're on that program. That's exactly. Great. That comes hand in hand with jazz and country, that, mate. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, it's the repetition with jazz and country. That's what appeals to <laughs> um, What were the other honourable mentions um, that you had, Mark? Oh, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 Bob and Earl, Harlem Shuffle, because I think that is one of the all-time great... And I, I, I knew it before it became um, um, Jump Around. Yeah. Um, and it, it, as as often happens with fantastic pieces of music that are nicked for other fantastic pieces of music, it spoils the original for a long, yeah. long time, or it, or it spoils people's kind of um, getting, you know, because that's the very, very top of the song. Yeah. So f- for years, people were like, "Jump around!" No, it's not fucking jump around. <laughs> Listen to this, because Harlem Shuffle is the most kind of beautiful um, I don't know what the best sultry kind of sexy oh I just I I love what it does to me when I'm listening to it it's got such a groove in it oh it's kind of that it's that kind of lazy groove kind of like Mm. um, it's kind of like superstition or something you know where it's just like in you and you're like oh what's happening to me you know (laughs) Back in the day, obviously not now. But, yeah, you know, of course. Uh, but it, it kind of affects you. It affects you inside. It kind of does. It works wonders for your interior movement. Absolutely, absolutely. We, yeah, I love that. Was that all the honourable mentions I had? Was there one more? Let me. I'm not, let me just. I can't. Oh, hang on. I've got mine here as well. Uh, oh no, there's another one. Richard Jobson and his and his merry men. Oh, do you know what? <laughs> And they'll cut a bit, well, Stuart Adamson will come up a bit later on. Of but, course, um, yeah. But that uh, that was one of the first songs I remember uh, on top of the pops, um, sort of, um, you know, um, you know, when you're watching, or well, when you used to watch Top of the Pops, and something, uh, that song came on that really kind of made you go, huh, uh, when you were wee, you know, when I, I would have been, 
Oh, I don't know. What was it? 70, 70, 78? 78. Was it into film, the Maybe. So I would have been 10. Um, uh, so um, it, it, it really kind of, I think there was, there was generate there was a Generation X, there was Mirror in the Bathroom, and Into the Valley were the three songs I remember slapping me across the face. Yeah, I was too, I was just too young for punk. I was, I you know maybe two or three years older, and I would have been like fucking at the front. But yeah, um, but I, it just passed me by. Um, um, but uh, but yeah, that I remember watching that or hearing that. And just being kind of like, holy shit. And I think it's just got one of the best kind of like call to arms type intros, you know? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And Jobson's performance on Top of the Pops, I mean, I've seen that a fair few times now. He's doing that kind of weird sort of kicking dance, isn't he? And he just <laughs> yeah. looks so frenzied. It's just brilliant. Yeah. yeah. What and, and and the fact, well, I I just realised I said a call to arms, but I mean, the, the, the subject matter for, for a... For a what was he, 17 or 18? Or maybe yeah. younger when he wrote that. It's an incredible uh, achievement for a, a really young boy, you yeah. know, to be savvy enough to... I mean, I know he was reading a lot of, of those kind of uh, history books and stuff at the time. Uh, I can't remember. There was one in particular that he's mentioned in interviews that he was reading, um, and I can't remember what it was. But, um, but yeah, for that to come out the mouths of a, a young boy is, yeah. is incredible. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, and also it has us. It has it keeps coming up bizarrely on. You know how Spotify runs. If you run over a playlist that you've got, it'll start just playing whatever yeah. is in connection, and that keeps coming up all the time just now. It's bizarre. It's like it's yeah. kind of I don't know what it's trying to do to me, but um, oh, it's a belter of a tune though, Mark. It's a it's a beauty, isn't it? Um, well, but yeah, yeah. Go on. Let's take you back. And, uh, uh, first song you remember uh, hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please, mate. Okay. Um, this was, uh, I think, only probably a year after Jobs then. But, um, uh, and it's, in, it's, it's uh, well, I'll tell you what it is first. <laughs> it's Union City Blue by Blondie. And this almost was my favourite intro. Um, this bit back and forth and back and forth. Because I think it's just, I mean, apart from being an incredible song, the intro is just fucking, oh my God. And it's, it's, uh, it's forever kind of linked because I think the first time again I saw that or heard the song was on top of the pops. Oh boy. Um, so with the video, with that helicopter shot uh, from like, you know, this kind of industrial, but obviously American, North American yeah. wasteland, you were sort of thinking, what the fuck? And then suddenly they're playing and it's massive dry dock. And you're like, oh, you know, I was 11. Yeah. <laughs> it's Debbie Harry and Clem Buck, you know, that oh, man. What a that dude. man can, I just listened to it before I came on just now, uh, really loud because I'm down the bottom of the garden. Um, and fucking hell, he beats the crap out of those drums. But... Yeah. He beats the crap out of them in such a, again, an, arre- a, 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 an arresting way. So he'll do things that you just, that surprise. He's a constant surpriser, you know, um, Clem Burke, as a, as a percussionist. But he never overpowers the song. No. Like, if you, again, like Dreaming, like the, the, the urgency of the drumming on Dreaming's fucking ridiculous. But yeah. it works. It doesn't sound like 
some kind of prog dude having like a, a five minute wank on his <laughs> drum kit. Do you know what I mean? It's like it Whoa. works perfectly, and like, and he looks fucking cool constantly. He's Clint always playing Norman. Those suits, that hair. I was just, I'm, I'm a well, I'm a lapsed drummer, but I'm, I was. That was kind of one of the things that made me want to play the drums was yeah. watching him. Him and Roger Taylor were the two kind yeah. of like. I mean, Roger Taylor was mostly the spectacle because he had that. I had Queen Life Killers, and he had that. There was a picture of this, just this fucking huge backlit drum kit, you know, and you're like, I want to hit that. Um, but Clem Buck, with that, just he had a small, you know, two two toms and one floor tom, but just what he did with it was yeah. just awe-inspiring. Absolutely. And um, the very first time I, I got to play a drum kit, was my my dad's pal's brother was in a band and we went I can't remember why but dad took me along to their band practice one day and I'd never been in a rehearsal room and the smell that rehearsal rooms have that smell of Mr Sheen mixed with sweat and uh, and uh, that was what hit me first and then he had a big red premier kit just like Clem Burks but not only that there was a massive poster of Clem on the wall nice I was just like (laughs) with the same kit you know and that was the first time so that just you know that just made me into a drummer for a while yeah Um, but uh, but yeah that song the way she sings through you're right about that he doesn't overpower the song because she finds a way through the it's the same on um it's the same what was I listening to uh, earlier on. Uh, oh, I can't remember. But she, she has this way of finding her way through the song um, uh, uh, that, are, that kind of perfectly complements what he's doing. Because he is yeah. the, pretty much the next biggest thing to the vocals. 100%. In each song. He's a big drummer, I think, you know. Mm. Um, but, yeah, what a band, man. What an album that album is, Eat to the Beat. That was my first Blondie album. Um, what a cracker that is. And... and <laughs> You know, you can't. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Underestimate how much of an impact Debbie Harry had on young lads, on any lads, uh, you know. I know, you know, I know. It was like, wow, because for me, that was the first pop star I saw that, you know, I, I would look at your Madonnas and things like that and think, oh, yeah, beautiful. And, but Debbie Harry was cool. Yeah. Debbie Harry was just wouldn't take shit. She just looked like yeah. she was just 
everything. Like yeah. she just had so much swagger. I don't think there was a cooler person walking the planet. No. Than at that point, Debbie Harry was bossing it. I love that picture of her and uh, Bowie and Iggy Pop. Have you seen that one on the sofa? And they're both kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. When you think of like the ego and testosterone and stuff that must have been floating around CBGBs, and she just glided yeah. through that place. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the height of punk, she was just forefront, incredible, and, and unafraid to kind of un, unafraid to march forward as well. Because a lot of the, those guys at CBGBs, they they kind of. You know they were albeit fucking amazing bands. They, they she kind of, you know, because they all took the piss when they sort of heard, they realised that she was going in a not a disco direction. Well, but yeah, you could, I think you could say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they are, well, I mean, Atomic and you know all Heart that. Of glass, of, they're disco bands. Heart of glass, yeah, exactly. But 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 didn't lessen the band's impact or artistic integrity at all. Yeah. I don't think you know. Not at all. Not at all. Well, let's stay in those formative years, Mark. The song that reminds you of your time at uh, secondary school, I believe. Secondary school. Well, if it was primary, it would have been the soundtrack of Greece. That's, Brilliant. I'll say that now. Um, I can remember singing, uh, which one was it? In the playground. Oh God, I can't remember. It must have been. It must have been Sandy or uh, anyway. Um, but secondary school. Well, first of all, um, I've given you two, haven't I? Um, because I just couldn't. It was unfair to choose because there was uh, there was two very. Even though heavy metal was a kind of a background, believe it or not, to all this, and and has remained so. You know, I'll still I'll still put on Slayer. I'll still put on um, you know. Uh, um, um, uh, uh, here you go again, eh? <laughs> thingy with the thingy. The guy that's got the thingy. Oh, I can't even mind his name. The, um, the live album, If You Want Blood. Right. It's one of the best live albums of all time. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I'll still put on ACDs. I'll, put, I'll still put on Slayer. And they were always a backdrop, not Slayer, but, um, you know, Made in DC. Kiss was a big one for me. <laughs> Just the, the, I loved anything theatrical, basically. Yeah. So. Uh, Adam and the Ants Ant Music when that appeared again on top of the pops and it was the video and here was this guy um, and this is probably I, I, this is probably the next best thing to punk this got me at the right you know I was maybe 12 by then um, so when I saw Adam Ant um, with uh, his culturally appropriated white stripe um, and his you know pirate garb and the little things in his hair and that kind of angry look in his eye mischievous angry look in his eye that really you know floated my 12 year old boat yeah. and uh yeah really kind of um uh i uh, that was that that was one of the first albums i bought i think queen queen uh, queen's greatest hits i remember i had and I think that, but that was the one I actually kind of, I think that might have been a present, but, you know, um, Kings of the Wild Frontier, I actually went out and bought. But I just think that he he kind of um, struck a, 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 there was a fine balance between, because, I mean, <laughs> there, were, a, a, there was a lot of kids my age were into them. Um, but looking back now, because, um, you know, I listen to this stuff, my kids are 10 and 6, so, I mean, a lot of the stuff they listen to now, I'm sort of like, what? 
And I go back and I go, well, what was I listening to? I shouldn't be so judgmental. I go, no, Matt, the stuff I was into was really good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but even Adam and the Ants, although on the surface they can appear sort of poppy and stuff, he, he, st- he was still a brilliant lyricist and quite sort of evocative and poetic. Um, you know, th- songs like um, Ants Invasion, you know, was a really kind of weird um kind of good you know peroni was a great guitarist mm. i think it really Usually. helped mm. yeah and he- helped them uh, adam find his uh, voice as much as he did you know um I and mean, you can tell i mean but when they when they split up he he wasn't as good you know on his own <laughs> fully Arguably. formed pop star then at that point wasn't he i think like the, yeah the, yeah you know, it's difficult wasn't it I think it was really uh, weird. I was chatting to my mate about Prince Charming last night, mm. and and you know I, you instantly think of Dinah Dawes and the video and and, and yeah. all of that, but it's no amp music. It's no amp music. We're, the fire's kind of gone. Mm. I, I think it's they they very for some reason very quickly became a parody of themselves, um, and I don't I, you know who knows. I've not. I know there's a there's a documentary, and he's he's written a book as well. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be really good. I mean, he's had a hell of a journey, hasn't he? Yeah, um, he really has. But he was he didn't drink and he didn't smoke. Uh, he was well, he he was just desperate to be a pop star. He just wanted to be a pop star, and yeah. and that's the thing on that, that documentary that really kind of comes through. That like he just wanted to be famous. Like he just wanted to be a pop star, and yeah. and obviously he achieved that you know, a uh, uh, really, really high level. And, and I think when that was taken away, I think that's when, you know, things started to get tricky for him. But as we've seen over the last five years, he's back looking as cool as ever now. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and it? I follow him on shows. Instagram. And he's got, he's, he, he, looks, he looks brilliant now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean... I, a... I would probably go and see it. I never saw them live. I was just that bit too young and I missed them or whatever, but... Um, I'd probably go and see him. I mean, I'd, I'd probably I'd be the oldest man in the room, I'm sure. But oh, really oh, not? I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> I think though, as you know, as a young lad, like again, like you know, we, we, I think we're very close uh, in age. Like turning on top of the pops and seeing like Adam Ann was like wow. You know, that yeah. wasn't a that, that you know. I can only imagine that was like seeing Bowie. 10 years previously or whatever it was like such an impactful look and sound and you know the two drummers it was like what's going on here you know because it sounded quite tribal didn't it it was like really really strange and and yeah and he just looked the jukebox and do us all a favor you know that music's lost its taste yeah you know it it said kind of everything to the punk would have said to the you know three four years earlier to all those guys you know um, it, to, it said that all to us at that time. Yeah. So you're singing uh, the hits of Greece in the playground uh, as a young lad. Um, <laughs> so you know what? I got, on my 10th birthday, I got a, a tub of Brill Cream and a PVC jacket. I was that into it. I absolutely loved it. Brill Cream's got a lot to answer for, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I used to do the same. I used to kind of when I was in the bath, I'd always kind of like flick my hair back and try and get the little curl. Yeah. And I think it was like a hybrid of wanting to be Danny Zuko or the Fonz at that point as well. Like, oh, Fonzie <laughs> lasted the test of time as well. Absolutely. <laughs> Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg fried. It's this super cool clothing label and. 
if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D. Save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. Um, so did you enjoy your time at school? Uh, I moved around a lot when I was at primary school, so I, I, I kind of had to um, think of my feet a bit. Um, why was that? Why did you Why did you move around a lot? Well, um, my dad was a my dad was an artist, and he was a he um, he worked for the um, development corporation, a couple of development corporations at the time. That there was um, there's five new towns in Scotland, and um, uh, they were sort of just being built when my dad um, uh, graduated from art school, um, and the development corporations uh, employed artists to work alongside planners and, and architects to help with the you know um, the look and the aesthetic of uh, the new town, and um, so it was quite a novel, uh, interesting, and sort of in some ways, revolutionary idea, you know, um, and and it, it, it made for um, uh, art that still kind of still exists now. I've just actually just done a, a documentary about um, uh, about it with my dad um, a few weeks ago. We, we went around all the new towns in Scotland and, and um, talked to various politicians and historians and, and other artists about their art and about what it, and residents as well and, and what it means to them and you know um, uh, and its history and uh, and the effect it's had on on art um, in general sort of uh, moving forward from those times so that was one of the reasons that we moved around was dad um it was a short contract so he would work he worked for uh, Glen Rothis in Fife we were there for a, a year where I started school, then we moved to East Kilbride, um, sort of uh, kind of near Glasgow. Um, and that was uh, for about six months or a year. So again, I went to a different school there. And then eventually we moved to Stonehouse, which is sort of in between Edinburgh and Glasgow. Um, and I, that was from ages of about uh, eight to 11. So I was there for the sort of, or seven to 11, maybe. I was there for the sort of biggest chunk of time. And that was the playground where I was singing. Um, so, <laughs> try and impress whatever girl it was. So, was you sort of <laughs> confident in that respect? Like, because changing schools, I mean, I, I never had to do that, and I, I the, the thought of it would have terrified me. So, was you confident enough to sort of start a new school and, and kind of sort of throw yourself out there a little bit? I don't remember. I mean, I think primary. It, uh, I think it just kind of happened to me. I, I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't have any say or choice in the matter. I mean, the biggest the biggest wrench actually was going from Stonehouse when I was uh, at the end of primary seven, which would be year six here, um, going to uh, going to Edinburgh to go to secondary school. 
Um, so that was the that was a really because I had I, by that time I'd forged a good uh, friendship. Uh, um, uh, my best friend Stuart um, McLaren, and um, he uh, so so we uh, you know that was kind of weird um, um, uh, and kind of upsetting. You know, I remember being quite emotional about it um, uh, because I you know I, I hadn't I mean, the last time I'd moved as I say I was seven or eight. So you kind of like you're not really forged, you're not really connected in in that way to a, a place or people at that age. Um, so yeah, but I, and and when I went to secondary, ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I got the piss ripped out of me <laughs> quite a lot for my accent, mostly because it, my accent was more West Coast, so I was a wee bit more like that. All right, I used to speak up and down like that quite a lot, but so uh, yeah, after about a year in Edinburgh, it kind of flattened out a little bit more, just sort of <laughs> blending with the natives. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was um, it's it wasn't it, it, I didn't find it. Hard, and I guess I was always—I used—I was always quite adept at arson about, you know, because if you can make people laugh, they won't swing at you, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I'm still doing it, and they're still not swinging as yet. <laughs> okay, track. Oh, where are we? Four. First record uh, you remember buying from a record shop, please, mate. Oh well, that's uh, that's my metal roots coming out. Um, so it was 90, no, wait a minute. Was it 99 pence? I want to say it was 99 pence. Anyway, I think it was either 99 pence or 79 pence. Uh, but it was Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden. Again, that theatricality, I think there's a, there's a theat, I love a, a band that has a sense of the theatrical. Um, and there's arguably, well, no bigger um, theatrical metal band than Maiden, um, but I think also that I, it was the first. It was my. I think it might have been. Although I can't remember, but it might have been the first sort of heavy rock record that I'd heard. Um, and again, Top of the Pops responsible for all these things, you know. Um, but that video, that wristband that he had that went all the way up there yeah. was just like, what the... And his tight trousers and his hair and just his kind of... His swagger, Dickinson's mm. swagger, uh, even though he's a bit of a tit now. Uh, what, what is it with all these fucking... What is it? Morrissey, fucking Ian Brown, uh-huh. you know, Bruce Dickens, you know. Fuck, why does it have to happen? I don't know, is, mate. Is it, is it a sheltered life? Is it... Is it is it kind of you know you you suddenly find yourself up there on this pedestal? Well, Morris has always been a bit, a little bit fucking weird, but but yeah, you've. Uh, but we didn't see that coming though. The stuff Morrissey. that he started to ah, oh, mate, I'm smothered in Smith's tattoos. It breaks me up, mate. mate. Oh, I oh, mate. Well, listen, they, you know when we get late, I didn't. Put the, there's none of them in there. Mm. I just find it too hard. But um, um, they were, uh, for for about three or four years, they were, you know, I saw them in 86. Oh, wow. um, On the Queen is Dead tour. And, um, yeah, one of the best gigs of my life, you know. Um, uh, And I I love them so much. I still love Mar. I think Mar's such a fucking great guy. When I set this up, I had two guests that were like, I've got to get to speak to these people. 
on one was Johnny Marr. I've not got there yet. Oh, I'm you working will. on it. You will. You will. Are you he's just so cool, isn't he? Oh, he's the best, man. He's the best. And he's a, you know, when you listen to what he was doing, you know, you know, because it used to, well, when I got in at them, it was all, it, not all Morrissey, but, you know, it was the, it was what he was saying. It was those fucking lyrics um, and the humour, you know, that everybody always fucking misses or, you know, people who don't fucking know or care go, oh, yeah, I'm so miserable. You go, no, 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 <laughs> go. Yep. Um, but then as time goes by, and I don't listen to them a huge amount, but... I have listened to them a wee bit in preparation for this because I thought, well, I'll go back and, and what difference does it make was on the best intro for a while as well. Because, I mean, there ain't no better guitar riff, really, than that. Right. It's special. And it's so, it's so short, but it just makes you go, oh! Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but you, when you listen to what he's doing in those songs, you know, you go, wait, he's kind of uh, ethereal. A lot of the stuff you go, where is he? Well, I can't quite work out the guitar. You know, it's not in your face. It's in and around, beautifully in and around everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. oh man, they were a band. Oh mate, really were. And like you say, it was them, them Morrissey lyrics that just spoke to you as a as a teenager. Do you know what I mean? And like, yeah. and then the stuff that seems to be coming out of his mouth that the press are jumping on, it's like. I can't get my head around it. I just think, is this some elaborate Morrissey joke that we're not getting? I don't know. No, but, it's like, cause it, but, it's not, but it's not funny. No, it <laughs> makes no joke. fucking sense. No, I know. It's just, and Bruce Dick, I, I, I didn't know that Bruce Dick, uh, Bruce Dick, Dick was a, 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 a Brexiteer. No uh, way. No, uh, yeah, big one. And uh, I, I saw a, a, um, an interview, there was a, Sky News, I think, interviewed him, which I, I saw on uh, Twitter, somebody posted on Twitter a few weeks ago. And he was like going, he was, he, was, he was saying, I can't remember what the interview was even about now, but it was, I think it was about the lorries or the shortage of this and the shortage of that. And he was sort of going, I don't understand. Why can't we just get, you know, we got it. And I was like, you fucking, and he was arguing, saying, you know, I'm a, people know I'm a proud Brexit voter. I was like, I didn't, you fucking asshole. Thanks for just scrubbing another... F- uh, so, yeah. Because I find it really hard. I know you've talked to guests about this before, but I find it really hard. And I know Adam Buxton does it a lot when he talks about separating the the art from the artist, you know, being able to kind of tease those two things apart so that you're not fucking thinking about what's going on while you're listening to the music or looking or reading or whatever it is that they're responsible for. I find it very hard ever since, um, not ever since, but I, um, I also to add into the fucking mix, I'm a, I was a massive Queens of the Stone Age fan and um I went to see them about four or five years ago at Wembley Arena and they were just, it was an unbelievable because they were so good. And the whole play, you know when you see 10,000 people doing that, it's the most thrilling fucking thing. Um, then like the week later or two weeks later, he kicked that photographer in the face. You see that? Yes. Yeah, and that man. I've never, I, I, I never put them on. I can't, yeah. I can't do it, you know? I was just like, oh, you're a prick. <laughs> He tried to make excuses for that, and he's like, mate, you can see it. He just kicked ah, someone in the fucking face, man. Yeah. He leaves his foot out when he's turning. He's, yeah. He knows what he's doing. 
you know, I'm having problems with this, with that, with drugs, whatever it is. I don't know. I can't remember what he said in his apology yeah. now. It's like, you know, I just don't get, I don't get that kind of behaviour. And it's it soils, unfortunately for me probably, but it soils, I, can't, I just, I can't get out the present person uh, with what they did in the past, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. I can't get out of my head. It's a shame. Yeah. It's a title for a song. Can't get out of my head. <laughs> Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, Iron Maiden. Yes. Yeah, so that's... How, 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 how did metal find its way into... Like, what was it you liked about... Um, you mentioned the theatrics of Dickinson, but... Yeah. You know, and, I, and I guess you could say the same for Kiss, but, like, did you like that kind of aggression in music? Um, yeah, I've... Yes, I've, I've always liked that kind of... Um, uh, I think Tony said that when when you when you spoke to Tony Pitts, he was saying about um, uh, I can like anything as long as somebody means it, you know. And I guess that was the first thing that came into my sphere of listening, where somebody fucking seemed to mean it, you know. Yeah. Um, usually because they're screaming at the top of their voice, or there's some kind of amazing like busy lit going on. Or, but ACDC, I think, were the. Oh, I, I think let let's let's get it up was the first sort of either that or run to the hills. I can't remember, but it just it kind of yeah. It was one of those moments where you go, it was thrilling, you know, for a for a young boy, um, and uh, and uh, it just yeah that theatricality and okay, yeah, kiss. My I remember putting on like shows, miming to kiss for my grandma, um, with. <laughs> We covered the we covered the floor in uh, newspapers, and we got the two sort of uh, bedside tables. I think me and my brother, and stood on them. And um, we, I'd bought blood capsules from the joke shop, and we uh, mined to Detroit Rock City or something. I don't know what it was for my grandma. Grandma who was looking after us, who was very posh and wore a wig, and you know, oh dear, dear, dear. And uh, I thought she'd be the most shockable. Um, but she just sort of <laughs> fuck knows what she did to me. I'm going to put on a show for you, Grandma. So yeah, I forced my wee brother. Oh, he he liked it. He, he's he's still he's a big Maiden fan. He's a bigger Maiden fan than me. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that sense of the theatrical, I think, really appealed to me, and that pomp and circumstance, but also like you know, fucking hard ass. Yeah, I can roll. <laughs> but you, 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 I mean, I still think that that finds its way through in in things like Faith No More that we've just mentioned as yeah, well, course, and, yeah. and Queens of the Stone Age. It's like, it, yeah, it's not fucking around, is it? And but there is a rock no. and roll theatric to it as well. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's it's almost inherent in rock and roll, isn't it? Really, I mean, yeah, you, you, when you choose what chords you're going to write a song with, you're making a statement yeah and and i think a lot of those bands i'm not i'm not a really I, I don't musically know what i'm talking about really but you know a lot of those bands in their you know it's inherent in the music that theatricality i think you know yeah. um, and i love it i love it i love i love a i love a great front man you know yeah there's nothing Absolutely. more thrilling than watching a really good front man or woman mm. The song that soundtrack your years clubbing. All oh, right, okay. 
Um, and now I've put um, this. This could have gone anywhere because clubbing and me um, didn't really. I mean, I was never a regular clubber for a long period of time. Um, so it happened in sort of pockets. So at one point on this list, <laughs> at one point on this list was, um, uh, do you remember a song called Male Stripper by Man to Man? It's a fucking great record, man. <laughs> I good, fucking it? love that record. It's like, a really fucking good dance record. Yeah, man. Like, um, but that hell. almost made this list because there was a time when I used to... I, when I wasn't pal, my, my best pal um, in the world is called Keith Taylor, and he, me, and him make collaborative Spotify mixes all the time. We've been doing it for ever since it became a thing on Spotify. So we've got about eighty, but on eighty something, I think. Um, and um, we used to go out to this club called Lacuna Head, which was in the Carlton Studios in Edinburgh. Um, but before that which is where the, my song choice comes from. But before that, uh, I used to, like a couple of years before, I had a good pal called Leslie, who I used to go out with. And I went out with her and all her sort of female pals. And at that time, I had a black Mohican. And uh, I can't remember why, um, but I, I can't remember what possessed me to have a Mohican and dye it black. Anyway, um, and I used to wear eyeliner and harem pants. And uh, I, was, I was kind of a... a a toy-in with new romanticism sort of after it happened, yeah. um, I think. Or maybe not, maybe it was about the time. I think I, I liked a lot of, again, that theatricality, you know, so Spandau Bali in the early days when they had their big fucking sashes on, work till you're muscle-bound and all yeah. that, you know. Um, and Adam and the Ants, of course. And uh, um, But also uh, the Smiths were vaguely on the horizon, but I, did, I, I sort of, you know, I just thought it would be cool to have like you know a, a bit of a different look so I did so I went very different and I used to go out with clubbing with them but I can't remember what the club was called but that was the song that was always on was Neil Stripper yeah. and I was always fucking up dancing to it I loved it um, but the song I've chosen isn't that um, it's, um, it's What Goes On um, by Velvet Underground because when we went to Looking Ahead um, and that was probably the most elongated and the, the place, I, the club I visited the most. It was a great fucking club, man. You would have loved it. It, oh, it, had, um, it was just like loads of fucking dry, uh, not dry, uh, smoke everywhere. And uh, just, and lots of chemically inebriated young people. <laughs> and I just, I, 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 so most of the time, the, the, the musical memories from that aren't dancing. They're sitting at a table listening to fucking the Velvet Underground or Dinosaur Junior or Butthole Surfers or 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 fucking all manner or Husker Do or you know all these amazing fucking bands that were around but listening to that and just blinking and going and, and rushing <laughs> oh, just fuck it off my tits going this song is probably the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life and that, that um, sentence will be repeated every three minutes yeah <laughs> yeah 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 hold on a minute <laughs> you know it was uh, and, and what goes on was one of those that they played sort of every week I think you know and and um, whatever chemical it was it seemed to it seemed to um bridge <laughs> whichever it didn't matter what chemical it was the velvets were always a fucking great lesson you know
Wonderful. So that's that's the that's the uh, yeah looking ahead, man. That Carlton Studios is gone now. I saw Nirvana there and. Uh, in '91, about t- about two weeks after Nevermind was released, wow. and so it was. Uh, it, it, looking ahead was upstairs at Carlton Studios, and um, and the, the gig, the the band, the venue was downstairs, and it was a uh, like the capacity. What I think was supposed to be eight hundred or something. There was two thousand people. They just like fucking crammed them in, you know. So it was like that. But fuck, I was right at the front, you know. I was staring up Kurt's nose. It was just fucking incredible. Abs, and I, it was at the peak of my love for them as well, you know. Yeah. Oh man, I love have that you, band so much. Have you gone back and and like slung on Nevermind like recently? Not recently. I, I've mum. The way I listen to music is quite because uh, I know you ask this question, and I often think I'm like that. Um, I don't. I don't make it down here very often. This is my, there's my turntable, you know. I don't make it down here too often to just put on an album anymore yeah so it's usually i'm doing the dishes and i've got my headphones on uh before i have to go out and read a story for the kids you know so yeah. so it's like a couple of songs at a time um so i haven't put on the album uh no not recently but i've listened to various songs from it that i know most I, not most but they of all the songs that i know how to play on a guitar i know the most I know are Nirvana's, you know, because yeah. they're actually quite simple songs to play yeah. and you feel like you're achieving something in quite a short space of time. You know, he's a great, great songwriter, I think. Oh, a, a brilliant pop songwriter as well. Like, yeah. never mind, yeah. every song is just hooks. It's so catchy. Every single one, you're right. Aye, everyone. And, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, someone that, uh, you know, DJs in, in an alternative club and has done nearly 30 years like <clears throat> you know there's times when i never ever want to fucking hear teen spirit or lithium ever again but about two years ago i went out for a walk like everyone was doing in the early days of of, of being locked in and uh I've, I've been lucky enough to get to interview butch fig on here i've listened to it and uh oh what a genuine teen spirit didn't they uh, he mentioned it was it, it was almost an honourable mention, but he didn't go for oh, it. Okay. Like, um, but I mean, every right to, do you know what I mean? And yeah. like, and oh fucking hell, we done smashing pumpkins and Sonic Youth. He could choose all manner. Do you know what I mean? I know, fucking sugarcane. Oh, <laughs> like, um, but he. Uh, but I, I just afterwards, I thought I'm just going to listen to Nevermind, and and I went out and I just put it on, and I've heard that record fucking 130,000 times. But I just put it on again and just tried to sort of listen to it with fresh ears. And I honestly think it's just perfect. Like, there's... Drain You's my favourite. I love Drain yeah, You. Love like, that's an intro. Like... Oh. <laughs> Territorial Pettings is an intro oh. as well, though, man. Oh. Seeing that on Jonathan Ross. When I know, you, uh... I know. They were supposed to be playing... What? They were supposed to be playing... Because he introduced it as... Did he Was it meant it? to have yeah. been uh, Come As You Are? Oh, come as you are, that's right. And then everything went mental. Yeah. Like, oh! <laughs> oh, man. What a f- that, see, that was another punk as well, I think. Mm. You know, um, even though his, his sort of sensibilities arguably were, weren't quite that because he was slightly more kind of... His, his, his lyrics were always slightly more... Um, 
less of a call to arms than maybe a lot of punk lyrics were. And he was more, he was poetic. He just, he, I remember him saying he just liked the way that he, he liked painting pictures with words. Um, and you, that, yeah, if you give yourself up to that, it's, it's, it's what well, he takes you on an amazing journey, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, sh- what a fucking tragedy, eh? Um, but uh, yeah, who knows where it would be if he was still around. Well, there's rumours, isn't there, now, that there's a, there's a record that, that's never going to see the light of day that Kurt and, and Michael Stipe wrote together. Uh, what I'd give to hear that. Like, really? Yeah, because apparently, like, like you know, he reached out to Stipe because I think R.E.M. was, like, a, a massive, massive sort of love of him. Uh, uh, and, yeah, and apparently, I think that the track on Monster, Let Me In, is written about Kurt. Um, and so in and around that time, yeah, I think like they were, they were working together and, and I guess at the time REM were the Kings of that kind of acoustic mandolin thing. And obviously Nirvana had just done unplugged. Like, I don't know if it's going to be in that vein, but, oh, I'd love to have heard anything that them two might've worked on together. I fucking hell, man. Mm, I had no idea. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. He's got it again. Has Michael Stipe got it? And he's just, I don't know. I I imagine he's probably got some kind of a hold on it. If, if it does exist as, you know, as the rumors have it, but you know, another incredible vocalist there, you know, underrated vocalist, Michael Stipe. Did you watch, have you watched them? Song Exploder, you know, or, well, it's a podcast as well, isn't it? I love that show, man. That's so good. Hearing... They, 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 they did uh, um, Losing My Religion, didn't they, on that? Yeah. Oh, just, I, I'm a fucking geek for shit like that, Mark. Like, Me too. Seeing them just taking it down to just the strings. Yeah, I like, know. You just think, oh, man, I love that. Somebody was talking about the McCartney and um, uh, Rick Rubin thing. McCartney 321, is it called? I've not heard that. Oh, I think it's called McCartney 321 or McCartney 123. But it's it's Rick Rubin taking McCartney through. I don't know if it's like a selection of the old stuff. It must be a selection. But, um, yeah, it's exactly that. It's like taking it down going, what's that? What's that noise I can hear there? Who played that? And it's McCartney. And apparently it's just fucking delightful because McCartney obviously just is, you know, in love with that whole time, you know? Yeah. uh, so yeah, there's a there's a recommendation, man. Because I'm I'm can't, I can't wait to get my hands on it. I think it's it, I don't know where it's Netflix or oh no, it's Disney Plus. It's Disney Plus. So if you have access, I to have it. got that. Have you have you listened to McCartney on Buxton? Yes. Oh, I love yes. that man. You could hear that Adam was almost nervous at the beginning. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I love I love Adam Buxton. Oh man. I worked Incredible. with Joe. <clears throat> I did. I did um, uh, the kid who would be king. You know Joe's film. I did a wee a wee bit in that, and uh, as did Adam. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I kind of, and I was a little bit. I mean, I was nervous. <laughs> I only, you know, I've been doing this twenty five years, and I only had about I don't know four four lines in it or something. But I took it because it was him and I took it because uh, I hadn't done much film, you know, and I thought, well, it'll be a good wee credit on my CV, you know. Um, but uh, but it was it was just great. But I was so fucking nervous before I started. I was like, oh, my God, because I've been listening to Adam and Joe for fucking years, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I'm a big fan. And I, I, I've, I always listen to, to Adam's podcast as well. You know, I think he's got a... a a real ability to kind of um, 
I don't know, to get, to get wonderful conversations out of people. He's the best. He's the absolute best. Yeah. He really is. And I will listen to people that I'm not really that interested in because I know that it's still going to be great because it's Adam. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you listened to the Nicky Wire episode. I did. Yeah, that was brilliant, wasn't it? That's amazing. And wow. I'm not a big, I've never been a big manic Same fan. Thing. But um, but it was superb. It yeah. Just, uh, yeah. What he what the the com the way the conversation went. Yeah. Um, was just uh, it was really fascinating. I'm gonna take yeah, you home. Like, yeah, go on. Track six. Favorite song from an artist from your home county, please. Ah. Oh no, I'm cheating slightly here, um, because because Jerry Rafferty's for Paisley. Mm-hmm. And I've never really lived anywhere near Paisley, but I know a lot of people make the mistake of, oh, I thought it was country. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, but um, I, I'm kind of using, I'm using the sort of Glasgow because I've lived in Fife and I've lived in Lanarkshire. It's near enough, you know. Yeah. Um, I'll let you this, add it, mate. I'll let you. This add is it. another. This is another song that uh, a, a very recent kind of um, uh, song on my sort of musical. Horizons, but it's re- it really made a, 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 a huge impression on me. It's called Whatever's Written in Your Heart. And I, I know that um, I've heard Billy Conley talking about Jerry Rafferty really in, in a beautiful way. And, and I obviously knew who he was because of uh, Baker Street and stuff. Um, but, and I can't remember how this song came in, into my kind of like um, world. Um, I think somebody might have put it on a mix or something like that. But I think it's just the most beautiful, simple, incredibly, you know, incredibly crafted song. You know, it, it's it, and the lyrics are just so heartfelt and so, um, you know, whatever's written in your heart, uh, whatever's written in your heart is all that matters. You know, it's it's you'll find a way to get it out someday. It's it's it makes me cry because I think about my kids when I listen to it. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, and I think, well, you know, if you want to say, well, you want to say many things to your kids to arm them for the future, but that that's one of them. You know, that's a beautiful sentiment. I've never heard anything other than Baker Street. I think until uh, I was prepping for this and had a listen. Uh, stop me in my tracks. It's it's stunning, isn't it? Yeah, it's re- properly beautiful. Mm. Properly beautiful, and I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think there's much more you can say about it other than just listen to the bloody song because yeah. it's it's just, it lifts you to a, and this is what all great music does. It lifts you to another place. That's what that Louis Armstrong song does. Um, uh, it takes you somewhere you've never been before, be that emotionally or spiritually or, you know, whatever. It, ju- it, should, it should lift you up out of yourself uh, and enlighten, you know, yeah. uh, the, best, the best of music. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that does that, I think. Well, Mark's last track, and this is where you get an opportunity to turn someone onto something new, a song that many may not know, that you would like them to hear, please? Yeah, this was hard. Uh, this was hard too. Um, <clears throat> uh, because, the, well, because, 
fucking hell. I don't, you know, first of all, you're presuming that um, the majority of people haven't heard what you're about to say. But but this, again, is another new, um, uh, new-ish one on me that Keith, uh, in one of our mixes, he put on, and I was like, what is that? And uh, it's called, it's called um, uh, Palante, and it's by Hooray for the Riff Raff. And I think it's, I think she's Venezuelan. Uh, and and Palante uh, means forward. Um, and it's just, uh, I mean, it kind of starts off, I love songs that kind of start off in one place and finish in an entirely different place by way of, in this middle section that there is, it's a kind of Beatlesy, a weird like Sergeant Peppery kind of feel mm-hmm. to that boom, boom, boom. You know, there's a wee kind of odd middle, not eighth, middle fucking thirty-two, but um, <laughs> it, and she sings another wee bit there, and then suddenly at the end it moves into this, this, this kind of full of this, this full of grandeur moment where she shouts. Forward, forward, brothers to my brothers and my sisters, forward to my mother and my father, forward. You just think, wow. That's, again, you know, although she comes from a completely different place than I do, the sentiment is is human, you know, and and, and uh, universal, you know. Um, and I just, I, it always, it, it gives me, and I'm, I'm getting them now talking about it, but it always gives me goosebumps, you know, up my, yeah. up my back. And I love songs that do that, you know, yeah. when you just think about them, not even when you hear them, but when you think about a song, you go, oh yeah, there's that bit. Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing thing to be able to do to people. You yeah. Know? There's a thing, um, that uh, apparently uh, Michael Jackson used on one of his last records. And, and I was working with this, uh, I, I was talking to someone that was producing this, oh, what was this band called? They had an incredible name. Oh, God. Not that long ago. But, um, like, it's like talking to myself, Steve. Oh, fucking hell, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but they're, they're, they've got this kind of, the, these frequencies and, and this, Get put into the production, which apparently triggers goosebumps. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, and it's just there's a kind of science behind it, and because not everybody gets goosebumps, do they? That's it's not like that's not every- right. Yeah, yeah. And, and whatever it is with this kind of thing that they, they they've been working on can kind of induce and bring out like a, a goosebump like kind of reaction to to something that. Jesus, like, that, that that's. Yeah. That's at equal times amazing and really fucking pisses me off as yeah. well. Yeah, it Some should be an emis- just... emotional response, right? I know, I know. Don't fucking try and trigger me. But yeah. that's what people do. That's what musicians have been and, and actors and fucking artists and whoever have been trying. And then you do down the club, you know. You're, yeah. When you're putting on, you're thinking, this is going to really fucking rock their world, yeah. you know. That, that kind Absolutely. Of, yeah, that's what you want to do is make people happy, doesn't it? So Absolutely. Natural. Well... We've got a great um, playlist to be listened to uh, over on Spotify now, Mark, and we've put all your honourable mentions on there as well um, so people can go and explore everything nice. we've, we've chatted about today. Um, I knew this was going to be a, a really nice natter. Oh, and, mate, it's and, been an absolute joy. 
Oh, thanks, mate. It's been great. And uh, and I'm going to keep you on the call when I press stop because I want to ask yes. you something anyway. Okay. But, but, Mark, thank you so much, mate. I mean, but also, what's, what's coming up? What, what, what's next oh, for you? Uh, well, um, uh, in, well, I'm, I'm working. This is why my hair's like this. But um, I'm doing a, I can't, I can't tell you about it, but I'm doing a job just now. Which I can't tell you about, um, but that is very exciting. Um, ITV four-part uh, drama, but um, uh, next, well, imminently, is the second series of Guilt, um, which is uh, due out sort of, I think, uh, just over a month away or thereabouts, uh, October. I think okay. I'm safe to say that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you get to find out um, all about what's happened to Max and Jake. Um, uh, since the end of series one, since I got taken down. Mm. Um, so yeah, so, uh, that's very exciting, and um, I'm I'm very excited to be a part of uh, the Rig, which is a new Amazon um, sort of sci-fi kind of uh, great story by David McPherson, and the new uh, the new series of Shetland will be out fairly soon as well. So um, there's there's lots been happening. Um, uh, so yes, it's uh, it's good. Long may it continue. Touchwood. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, guilt is the most imminent thing. Okay, and if people want to kind of keep up to speed on on everything about this, Instagram the best place to keep up to speed with you. Yeah, Instagram and Twitter. I'm on them both. I don't. I don't. Uh, you know, I don't check them uh, as often as I probably should. But yeah, you can catch up with me there. Wonderful, Mark's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so Enjoy, much. Mate. My pleasure. There you go. There you go. In case you was wondering, like I was, Dream Theatre was the band that, uh, that Mark couldn't remember at the beginning. I was like, don't go anywhere after this chat. Uh, I need to know because I would have had like a weekend of sleepless nights just thinking, prog band, early 90s, who would that have been? Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, Dream Theatre. Um, like I said at the beginning, we, we, we stuck on the Zoom and, and had a, a lovely chat talking about music documentaries and, 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 and records and such. So, um, yeah, what a, what a, a lovely guy. Um, yeah, feel, feel great. I'm recording this intro and outro just after we've had that chat. So still buzzing from that, um, marvelous natter. Um, and like I said, as well at the beginning, there's loads of marvelous natters, uh, to be enjoyed, uh, in the back catalog. So go and explore that, uh, at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com or just get it wherever you get your podcasts. Simples. Um, Right, I'm back next time. Thanks once again to Mark. Um, and thanks again and always to you lovely lot for um, listening, supporting uh, and just being nice. Um, have a smashing week. I'll see you next time. Much love. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu with him. Hey,